Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. Oh, people! When I started Enterprising Individuals in the spring of 2016, having a Star Trek podcast was an uncomplicated, luxurious enterprise, no pun intended. After all, it's a show about a mostly defunct franchise with only a few loud, flashy movies left in the theaters. Maybe this week we'll talk about Tribbles. Maybe next week we can laugh at Riker putting his leg up on everything. Good times. Fast forward to mid-2019, and everything is on fire! Red alert! Shields up! We're two seasons down on Star Trek Discovery, with a third on the way, a handful of short treks, and half-dozen entirely new Star Trek shows being streamed at the speed of light through fiber optic cables directly into your brain. It's a totally different galaxy now, and I'm having trouble keeping up. I apologize for this episode's lateness, but I promise it's for a good reason, which I will divulge later in the show, not the least of which is that I am feeling kind of sick, as you might hear, but I am soldiering through. But first, we've got a whole nebula full of new Star Trek news, and to help me bring that to you, I've once again called upon the talents of the lovely and ebullient Mikan Hana from the Just Enough Trope podcast. We'll be talking about the third season of Star Trek Discovery, the Lower Deck show, the Trek Global Franchise Group, ooh, the possible Pike series, Tarantino Trek, and more. Uh, just a note, we talk about the upcoming Picard series, but wouldn't you know it, the trailer for the Picard series dropped like two seconds after we finished recording. So I will be talking myself about the first trailer for Star Trek Picard later in the show. Plus, we've got a review of the DS9 documentary, What We Left Behind, and our thoughts on that. Stay tuned to the end of the show for a special announcement about what's coming up next week. All that and a killer grandma too. Hold on to your butts and let's get underway. I just think that some characters could have, their stories could have ended better, to say the least. Yeah. And um, I, I think some things that they did were not like, um, it was, it just wasn't up to the caliber that I feel like the previous seasons had been up to. And, and like the storytelling and I, we built we spent so much time with these characters and we've built them up so much and then they just have crappy endings and it just seems like the writers just got lazy and and they just they didn't want to do any more seasons they could have done more and, and I feel like it was just kind of thrown together yeah only having space Jesus plummet into a fire cave can really bring the, the exclamation point right. on this long-running series. Right. Yes. A lot of times, uh, series end, and people are like, huh, okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, and I have, a lot of people are fairly satisfied with the ending of Deep Space Nine. But when sure. I think about it, I see a lot of things that are also similarly like, is that what you guys always wanted yeah. to do? Yeah, I that- mean... Can we, plan? can we talk about it a little bit? Or is I mean, that I, I think spoilers? we're going to. Okay. I think we should probably spoil who you are. Well, I'm Mikan Hana, and I'm the host of the Just Enough Trope podcast. Our first guest. You're the first enterprising individual's guest. Is that right? Yes. 
I did not realize that. Do you remember the episode that you did first, Lee? Um, it was the one, I forget what it's called, but it's the one where Riker goes on to the Klingon ship. It can only like, be, so the Klingons are involved. Yeah. Uh, there's only about three words that could be in it, the title. <laughs> I know honors in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that one, yeah. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, um, it, it's a great episode. Um, I, I really like the camaraderie and, um, you know, getting to see the Klingons is like, actual like humanoids you know what i mean camaraderie like uh double hand uh, axe blows to the face right um threatening uh to have a threesome with somebody okay there's like a lot of like when you get the first day on a klingon ship you get the sensitivity training and it's like so what do you do in this situation right like, be respectful smack wrong <laughs> you harass the crap out of them right because they're gonna do it back right now get out there that's right <laughs> i want to see some hands on some asses <laughs> like like beat the toughest guy up on your first day <laughs> yeah i guess i think that's like being on a klingon but ship. what if the toughest guy is an alien bounty hunter well from I don't x-files yeah Brian i don't Thompson know man was in that episode yeah yeah so anyway uh first guess uh latest guess because you're here to help along with the news for this week yes. and there's a bunch of it we're talking about ds9 and we're talking about endings and yes we recently checked out a documentary that is obsessed that is chiefly concerned with the ending of ds9 yes and specifically what we left behind, mm-hmm, which is the title of the last episode. The no, what you leave behind uh, is the title of the episode. Oh, okay. And then what we left behind is the docs. She's here to help everybody. I am here to help. Directed by Iris Stephen Bear, who was in many ways, at least for the second half of the show, the guy in charge. Yes, running the entire thing. Uh, it's if you before he was running it green, his beard was green. <laughs> then you move to the command department, and this world. Uh, it's blue. Okay. I see. You're following the progression of his goatee. Let's All right. stop on this for a few more minutes. Uh, okay. What's going on? I don't know. I think he's just quirky and he's like, this is being dyed blue. I don't know. He's definitely a good writer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, he's never, um, I haven't seen him do like a commencement speech or anything, but uh, f- in the job of like Vince Gilligan, right? Vince Gilligan. Yeah. Is the guy mastermind behind Breaking Bad? Uh, just call Saul. Better, Better call, call Saul. Saul. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's what you say after. <laughs> Better call Saul. Really, we can call anybody. Just call Saul. <laughs> and so uh, he's he's good as a guy that runs a show. But if he wrote like, here's my script, is it a good script? Are the leader writers good mm. individual writers? Because I'd put a Darren Morgan, well, let's say like a 1993 Darren Morgan, on anything. Sure. But can he run a room? If yeah, you, I don't if you know. Can't do, if you can't run a room. Well, I think Ira Stephen Bear can run a room. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, during, that's what we're talking about. A part of the doc is that they, they write a, a new episode for uh, the next season. Yeah. Um, I think he runs the room pretty well. Right. So anyway, all I'm saying is, okay. uh, I guess what my, the long-winded point that I want to get to is, you think of... Yeah, writers, they're not movie stars. They're probably a little more weird and quirky. But you think of a writer, I think of Jeremy Piven's character from the Larry Sanders show. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. like a guy who's like, yeah, okay, all right, come on. Yeah, come on, what do we got? But the really weird guys, like a guy who wears just suspenders and a flat cap to every every interview, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's, you're like, ooh, okay, this guy must be a good writer 
Because I know he ain't lunching at Spago. Right, you know what right. I mean? That's what that seems like to me. It's like, I'm going to go blue goat. Um, I have. So throughout the dock, he wore sunglasses. Yes. And I wondered if he had eyes. <laughs> but I have seen pictures of him at other events. I know. I've confirmed. He's got eyes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, a finger on each hand, painted black, fingernail polish. Yes. For some reason. For some reason. Yeah. But anyway, uh, kind of eccentric guy. But, yes. But uh, ran a pretty good show there mm-hmm. and wrapped it up pretty good. And that's what we talk about in uh, what we talk about. What do we talk about? We talk about what we left behind. <laughs> and so this uh, documentary, which I'm sure you probably know about, uh, it was available as a sort of fathom event, you yes. know, one night only in theaters. It will be streaming and available for purchase and on Blu-ray and DVD on August 6th awesome. of this year. So check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, what did you think about the documentary? I Was it worth your time? Yes. Did you want I, to leave it behind? I, I did not. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought they had some really great interviews and, um, uh, you know, they, they had quite uh, an expanded cast. I think we, you know, um, there, there's like maybe eight or nine or so like, like characters that are like the main crew, but you have like the extended crew, which is quite a few, um, other characters. So I thought that they really did a great job about interviewing the, the actors. Um, and they, they tried to talk to some other people like that were behind the scenes a little bit more too. Um, so I thought they had like a good variety of people and, you know, got different opinions about things. Yeah. There was a lot of faces who uh, I were just faces. There were a lot of names. And then I got to put faces to them. People who I'm sure talk to people, get interviewed here and there. But, you know, you're used to seeing a blue goatee talking right. about DS9. Uh, but it was people like Herman Zimmerman, who's like a longtime um a production designer for all of the shows mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, post TNG era who I'd never heard talk before. And he uh, had a lot of great insights and every single one of these people is it's been 25 years. So they're right. all, you know, they're all old guys and ladies <laughs> yes. you know, in blazers and or cardigans mm-hmm. and uh, just how emotional and like choked up they were getting like this far out yeah from something just tells you how important it was mm-hmm. um to so many of them and yeah they talked to everybody um including and i still don't understand how this works i guess i'll know when i have a commentary track for my uh, blu-ray but they did get to talk to uh avery brooks in some yes <laughs> and there's no way that you could do a ds9 documentary without I think that they would have cut the Hawk section if they hadn't been able to talk to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they did spend more than a little time talking about uh, a man called Hawk. Yes. Uh, and uh, Spencer for Hire and uh, just talking about his his roots. And in that capacity, there were a couple different conversations that – and B- uh, Bear, I should say, was the director, but he was also the host of sorts. Yeah, he interviewed pretty yeah, much everybody. And, in, and he didn't try to – you know, I'd try to make it seem like – I was Barbara Walters and I've been doing it my whole life. He kind uh-huh. of just comes out and says, I don't know what I'm doing. So right. let's, here we go. I'm just going to ask some questions. I, some I hope questions. they're the right ones. Yeah. yeah. Right. But they put him together with producers. So Rick Berman was in this. Hadn't seen him in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was another producer. I can't remember uh, who it is, but he was a higher up at Paramount um, who was also making decisions. He seemed probably like Rick Berman's boss, basically. Right. Like VP of TV or whatever mm-hmm. at Paramount. And there were, um, it wasn't just like, what a great job you did. Thanks for signing my checks. There were a lot of like, how come he didn't let us do this? <laughs> we wanted to do this. Right. It was a real victory lap for the show. 
And they set it up well because the first 10, 20 minutes are about how nobody liked the show. Like they have the actors right. start by reading emails, uh, social media posts, you know, what have you, probably letters back then. About how oh, this isn't really Star Trek and this isn't right. violating Gene Roddenberry's vision. They had the actors read all these, which is really yes. fun. And then we set up that nobody really wanted it, knew what to do with it. And it's taken like 25 years for it to mature like a wine or something like that until now it's looked back on as one of the best shows. Yeah. But with that hindsight, now you can get your little, you can point your little black painted fingernails at the at the producer with the slick back hair and be right. like, why didn't you let us do more serialization? Right. <laughs> Why'd you make us add Worf to the show? <laughs> uh, that, that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. And I loved how diplomatic they were. You knew that these guys were suits and they were that was their job because they were like, well, we had this, we had that. There was never really any. There was one moment between him and uh, Berman where Berman didn't say we were wrong, but he basically said we didn't want to do it because we, you know, the figures told us it wouldn't work or whatever, but you know, it, it worked out. It right. worked out. And, you know, I didn't want you to talk me into it, but you talked me into it. Right, <laughs> like, right. That sounds like a producer apology. I, I thought that um, um, the actress who plays Kira Norris, uh, Nana Visitor, um, was talking about a time with Rick Berman where he told her that um, her and Ducat were going to get together and she was really <laughs> upset about it. Yeah. And then he came back later and told her it was going to be her mother and he told he said to her, oh, it was never going to be you. And she just looked at him like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, they set that up too. There's a quality of an oral history to it. And if I had one complaint about the documentary is that that's a great idea Maybe it's because IRS Stephen Bear hasn't directed a documentary before, but if you set that up and you're going to talk to 60, 70 people, mm -hmm. then that's your story. Right. You know what I mean? You either yeah. get all the facts and you catalog it, or you let it sit as this Legs McNeil uh, oral history. And he tried to have it both ways and mentioned that maybe not everything you heard was remembered correctly, but then there was only like one or two things that really followed up on that premise mm -hmm. and i have to imagine that and they say this in the doc um over the final credits where all the indiegogo supporters names are, are going up the screen they talk about like well we had to leave this out we, right. we didn't talk about this we didn't talk about this but it's all cutting room floor footage that will presumably be on the dvd so i hope hopefully on the dvd we'll have a lot more of these discussions and interviews with yeah. people like how do you have armin shimmerman on and he reads two mad angry letters and then maybe says three or four other things. Right. Like, how does that even happen? Right. Well, it's because we've got every other single person that ever worked on this thing, except for Cecily Adams, you know, here to talk about it. Right. Right. We got to get everybody needs their their screen time, and uh, we're not gonna. Uh, we're at least we're gonna do our best to get everybody in there at a decent amount, same amount of time, more or less. So, I mean, tell that to Bob Silent Silent Bob O'Reilly. <laughs> There's got to be a whole nother disc, like you get your Blu-ray, and then uh, like on the backside is like the Bob O'Reilly sessions. Right, right. Because the he he's uh, he he talks. He's a talker. <laughs> I I think there are there are quite a few people who are who are who are talkers. I don't feel like Avery Brooks is one of them. I I feel like. Oh really? I don't know. Maybe you it's get like him in talking the right to mood. a jazz musician. Yes. Yes. 
which I I, I thought that was pretty great that everybody said that. Yeah. So. They talked about him uh, as, of course, an actor. They talked about him as a director as well. Mm-hmm. That's where that um, that jazz thing came in. And I love that one interchange of that one sort of scene where, and again, I don't remember the name. Uh, oh, you know, it might have been Lolita Fajo. Okay. I don't want, I'm, maybe I'm getting that wrong, but it was like a line producer, uh, basically, and she was talking about how she was assisting oh, right. uh, Avery Brooks the first time that he directed, and he's Avery Brooks. Yes. With all that entails. Yes. <laughs> he's a guy, he's a hard guy to get in your documentary. And he was sort of that way on the set as the director. You know, he was kind of off doing his own thing and he was just being Avery Brooksy. And she had to basically come up. And this is how you know that they had such a good crew and they got things done. You could have just been like, just let him do whatever. But she basically came to him and was like, I don't know what you want. Right. And you have to tell me what you want. Right. And he's like, what, what do you mean? I'm telling you what I want. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I, I, I don't know if you want us to do this, or do that. or And you have to talk to me. And he's like, okay, well then do this and that. She's yeah. Like, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. And they did it. But it, it's great that they had that kind of a relationship where she could be so like. Well, I think it's. I don't think they had a relationship like, was the uh, problem, but I think yeah. that she was good enough at her job that she was like, I don't. I, I can't come to the lead actor and say you're not Mr. Lead Actor Diva Guy. You are now the right. guy who's telling us all what to do. So, yeah, um, that was what I appreciated seeing some of those behind the scenes kind yeah, of things, I yelling too. at the producers and, and stuff like that. <laughs> right. uh, in the uh, sort of victory lack lap track uh they did uh take time to talk about how influential and forward the show was in a lot of ways um going back again to avery brooks you know they made sure to make the point that you know in a time in the mid 90s where i don't know like upn wasn't around yet Mm -hmm. uh tv was very white yeah uh you know they essentially had a black family yeah uh in space. They like did. it was a show about a black family on a space station. Yes. You'd have entire scenes that were just all just black actors mm-hmm. uh, just doing things, living life, doing working their jobs. Yes. And that was great. They talked about um uh just you know racial issues in general and social issues. Uh and then they said that they, you know, they had this like checklist. It was like yes. religion, we're taking it on. Right. Race, we got it. And then it's like homelessness. S- homelessness. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Past tense. We then right. got it one. Yeah, yeah. Or two, actually. And then they're like, uh, sexual orientation. And they're like, did we get it? Right. I don't know if we did. And I, you know, I thought that was um, was kind of a brush, breath of fresh air because yeah, they have the, the one episode rejoined, but Iris, Iris Stephen Barris said, you know, like, we had one episode in seven years. And yeah, they kind of b- broke the fourth wall, even though the whole time it's there's no yeah. real wall to speak of. Right. Um, when the thing opens up and Max Grudenchik is uh, singing I Left My Heart with uh, Cork and Cisco or whatever. Right. <laughs> Which, okay, all right. He wrote those songs. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, when the quartet sings at the end, he... Uh, he won, wrote that one too. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, but uh, it sort of breaks out, and you've got Iris Even Bear sitting with the editor yes. of the film, who was one of the producers as well, and he's like, well, "I got to take that check mark back. I don't think we we did it good enough." And for me, it was like fifty percent great, like a great. At least we have an official line. It's not some AOL chat from Ron Moore in nineteen ninety seven when right. he's got a hit a scotch in him, and he's like, "We should have more gay people." It's like. 
one of the guys that ran the show saying, we screwed this up. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you screeched your documentary to a halt so you right. could <laughs> you know, right. wave your painted fingernails around and go, oh, boy. We could have done this better. I wish that we'd done that better. Right. Was it about you or is it about the issue that you well, right. ignored? Yeah, it's, it's about the issue. So maybe sure. it's both. Maybe maybe it is both. Yeah. <laughs> but on that tip, we got one thing that I've seen. See, I never questioned this, but I've seen so many articles who their article about the documentary, this is the thrust of it, which is Garrick's gay, everybody. Well, right. Eric comes out in DS9 documentary. And, and, well, I mean, Iris basically says he he was gay, but they just never wrote anything like saying like no. really dealing with it. No, he asks Andrew Robinson whether or not those lunches meant anything between Bashir oh, like, right. and him, and yeah. Garrick's like, "Well, Garrick wanted to fuck him." <laughs> Later on, you know, they, they became more. They became friends and had right. connections. But yeah, he right. just wanted to f*** him. Right. So. Oh. I guess I didn't realize that Garrick was gay. And maybe I should have. Um, should have done more. Should have realized yes. more. Yes. There, there's another. They didn't talk about this in the um, documentary, I don't think. But there's the episode. And I'm not going to remember the title because they have goofy titles. Because calm down, you guys. But there's the one where. Or J.G. Hertzler plays the changeling, Laws, Laws or something like that, who shows up and he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm a changeling. Oh, he's like the... Um, I can turn into a spaceship or whatever. Right, yeah. right. And he, he has never met the other changelings or whatever. Right. He never met another one until he meets Odo. Right. Yeah. And so there's supposed to be like a subtext kind of thing going on. Where he's like, yeah, I can, hey, Quark, I get that. you know, merge with me, you know, because it's like, oh, it's okay if he merges with the lady changeling or whatever, but right. it's like, are you going to merge with the guy changeling? It's right. Gay. And so he's like, do that. Let's live this other life together. And Odo has to be like, no, I don't know if that's for me or if I'm ready for that. And there's a part where he turns into fog, right? And so he's all over the the, the promenade. Yes, and I remember Odo's that. And Odo's like, can't he be fog somewhere else? Like he's mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're like one letter off from something. Can't oh. be a fog somewhere oh, else. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And at one point, the Quark's talking about like, well, let me know when you guys have a Changeling Pride Parade. So wow. at that point, it's like, and that was, you know, that was what, like season six, I think? So yeah. they were, I think they were like, okay, well, you guys didn't like rejoin. Let's, let's try another metaphor uh -huh. instead of just having some LGBT characters on the show. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, but the the thing about the changelings, though, too, is that they all kind of just meld with each other. So I don't know. Yeah, but just, once again, it's another it kind is of another, pop out. It's yeah, like you right. can have this metaphor, and you need to have a metaphor. Um, transsexual creatures, you know, creatures who sure. are male or female bodies, but the slugs are not, you know, are gender neutral right. or whatever. Right. Because UPN <laughs> or whatever network it's on isn't going to let you do it, but it's like. Just do it. Right. Right. I, I understand. Ellen has a sitcom. Yeah. For I know. crap's sake. I know. Right. <laughs> it's the other, 90s. Other people are doing it on TV. Why not right. you? Kate Nally's landlord was gay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. Um, I am interested in what what we left behind. Left behind. <laughs> I want to see oh, the extras. Oh, sure. What's on the cutting room yeah. floor? Yeah, me too. Um, I want to see the extras for sure. Yeah, me too. So keep your eyes out for the DS9 documentary. It'll be available August 6th 
from wherever you can get that documentary from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means at all. Uh, let's talk about some of the news from the Star Trek sphere. You've got CBS, yes. The Eye. What's behind that? I don't know. NBC is a peacock. Yes. And ABC is a circle with the letters ABC in it. Yes. And then don't forget, here comes a little upstart. Michigan J Frog. Right. Network mascots. <laughs> where'd, where'd they come from? Yeah. Yeah. What if somebody took Ben Franklin's advice and made it the turkey? <laughs> a noble beast. A noble beast. Yes. It would be the waddle, probably. Um. <laughs> will drown in the rain if it looks up. Right, exactly. Well, we're talking about CBS and CBS All Access specifically, and the fact that they are doing pretty good on the streaming side. Disco good. was the number one show on streaming, according to Parrot Analytics, a company that looks at these data numbers. Okay. And it was the most in-demand digital original series for the month of April, That's Star Trek awesome. Discovery, beating out the chilling adventures of Sabrina, Oh, wow. And Cobra Kai. I've not even heard of Cobra Kai. That is the Karate Kid sequel show. Oh, okay. All right. Now, I'll tell you something. Yes. I I believe this. Uh, I'm excited about this. Mm -hmm. I know people are watching this show. I wonder how they know it beats... How do they know any of this? But how do they know it beats Sabrina? Because if it really did, that's that's good. Right. Uh, Everybody's got Netflix. Mm Mm-hmm. Netflix probably has a thing where there's just so much time that you can spend watching something, right? So mm-hmm. Stranger Things probably competes with, at this point, not for money necessarily, that got your money already, but it competes for your time yes. with Sabrina. So if Sabrina was the top one on Netflix, Discovery's still beating it. Right. So that's good. That is The good. number three one is weird because the number three one is Cobra Kai, which was a YouTube premium show. Huh. So I know nobody has YouTube Premium, but they recently made like the first season of all their shows free. So this is now uh, watching this for free on YouTube, something we all have in our pockets. Yes. So that's another coup. I did not realize that was going to be a TV show. For some reason, I thought it was going to be a movie. I don't know why. The Karate Kid thing? Yeah. I don't know why I thought that. No, it's a TV show. Okay. Shows you what I know. It's been a movie. Yeah, I know it has. Many, many, many times. Many times. Yes. Yeah. Jaden Smith yeah. was involved with that. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and also, CBS, uh, like Netflix, doesn't release specific figures, but they revealed in an investor's call that they have already hit the $4 million mark for their subscriber base. Oh, that's pretty good. Just getting on track for them. Uh, Netflix in the UK, where Star Trek Discovery uh, broadcasts internationally mm-hmm. uh, it's doing good there too it's uh, i think it's like number five on the international netflix service okay uh, right around the same level as chilling adventures of sabrina all right well that's good uh all good news so I let's guess. look it up yeah look it up for discovery especially as season two has recently or you know a moment, month ago or so mm-hmm. ended and we're moving into season three and what a season three it's gonna be in the future, <laughs> year two thousand. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a new, new, new day for Discovery mm-hmm. as we are looking at, or we have looked at, uh, showrunners uh, leaving the show, and Alex Kurtzman, and now Michelle Paradise settling in for showrunners, right, uh, in that position for the third season. Uh, when it is going to start, we don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. Uh, <laughs> it seems probable, you know, the first season debuted in late September. The second yes. season debuted 
arguably around the same time with the short right. tracks, but the officially right. debuted uh, in mid-January. So anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. Looks like it could be late 2019, early to, uh, 2020, except hold on, hold on, Uh-oh. because another little show called Star Trek Picard right. is set to debut this fall. Yes. Um, how do you feel about the the new show title, the official title? It being Picard. Yes. Uh, we've all been calling it Picard. Yeah, I know. So I think that Picard is probably a good name for the okay. show Picard. All right. Featuring, I don't know who's in it. <laughs> I just kind of thought, like, they could have been a little bit more creative with it. <laughs> oh, oh, really? But Already yeah, we're challenging the creativity. Yeah, I, I don't know. Of beach bum Michael Shaben. <laughs> yes. Guy's got to look. Yeah, he does. But, I mean, if you'd want to, like, a Pulitzer Prize, you could probably have a look, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, just last week on May 15th at the Upfronts that CBS revealed the title of the show, uh, a logo of the show, and they showed some footage. Uh, now, the okay. footage, I don't know why you show the footage to the people there. It's not a lot of A couple seconds of footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you cut it into a YouTube trailer, right? Oh, that Only would make they sense. have not. No. And so all we've seen are these weird, uh, poorly graded, uh, off uh, geometry, you know, taken with a cell phone uh, type pictures yes. that we've seen. Yes. Uh, we've seen uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. Uh, in a very futuristic turtleneck. Looking pensive. Uh, mild shock. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yes. And we've seen him uh, walking around what looks like, to me, if I had to guess, it looks like Starfleet Academy to me. We've also mm-hmm. seen some kind of leaked shots from the set taken from a ways away. Right. Uh, palm trees. You know, it's clearly California. Yeah. So I'm just assuming San Francisco. That's what I'm assuming as well. And you see a bunch of people walking around in outfits that... Are perplexing to a lot of uh, fans of yes. Star Trek sartorialness. Yes. Sartoriatory? Sarteratory. We'll say sartoriatory. Okay. Let's. And uh, they look like uh, Voyager uniforms. <laughs> don't yeah, they, they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, which is not interesting. like future Trek uniforms. Yes. Um, they also, uh, people have commented that they look a little bit like some uniforms from Star Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. Uh, or, not Discovery. Uh, I'm sorry. Online. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, some of the Dooney uniforms and online have colored so- shoulders, but they also come farther down, like come down to the nips, basically. Okay. <laughs> and then they've sure. got the uh, rank insignias opposite the... Um, the communicator? communicator or, oh. or the, uh, yeah, Starfleet insignia um, lower down in the midline of the chest. Huh. And we have seen okay. that. In one still where uh, the captain is talking to an unnamed, unidentified character. Sure. Who is an ensign, I should say. So, again, that sign. So, are are these all people assigned to Starfleet Academy? Is this the right. Starfleet Academy uniform or is this the new uniform for, for the Starfleet. future of Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. It already seems like I'm not going to get what I want. <laughs> well, it just seems. Which is them. Weird because. What do you want, Cal? I'll tell you. Yeah, what do you want, Which Cal? Which is them. Keeping to the design choice that they made, which I know was motivated by money, which was <laughs> I've invented a pill that gives worms to ex-girlfriends, <laughs> which which is almost full body. It's kind of a very similar thing. It's dark pants, 
going up to about the belly, and then mm-hmm. it's colored top, sleeves, shoulders, all one yes. color on the top. They yes. used it in future flash forwards in TNG. They used yes. it in DS9. They used it in Voyager. Yes. I know the answer is that it's because what they that's what was lying around. Herman Zimmerman is just throwing these at people, whoever it fits into these things for future scenes. But clearly they decided to not just sew. So, they're black. They're all wearing black. They're like, no, I like this. It partial part of it's. I don't want to make a decision about it. It's an Einstein decision. Mm-hmm. All the suits are the same. Mm-hmm. But you did that so many years, and you want yeah. to say that we're going to go forward into this future, which right. those were all alternate futures, and yet they were all fairly the same. Why would it be so different here? Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy at well, all. That's um, what you tell somebody who's as you're back away from them. Well, I it just makes what makes sense. I mean, like. Even if these are alternative futures, all of these futures have featured these costumes. So it only makes sense to me that this future would feature those costumes. So, or uniforms, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, I I don't understand why they have made the choice that they have. Well, clearly they have to to pee all over it and make it their own. I, I guess. But I thought it would have been a nice unifying touch. Yes. You know, letting it you would've. know that there's an internal consistency. Yeah. Putting Pike and crew in like these sort of side zip jacket type things, which uh-huh. are, you know, unicolor, gold, red, blue or whatever. Right. Saying, we're not going to put these guys in like pullovers, but it's going to evoke, you know, what the old uniforms were. Right. And pull all those holograph things out of there. No more. <laughs> Dumb. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Alex Kurtzman, uh, Trek Czar, said that the show will be a psychological look at Picard and his character. Uh, okay. He said that they Expect want to make no it uh, a character study about a man and his emeritus years. Okay. And they want to make it a slower and more meditative show. So don't expect the boom, bomb, bombast of Star Trek Discovery. There are Four lights. Are there four lights? <laughs> let's go. Let's go check that out. Honestly, P- Captain Picard just... just flying around, myth busting, <laughs> or he's going around and he is just checking up on everything that happened before. So he's going back. <laughs> he's like, he's just checking in with everybody. Yeah, the place is like a convenience store now. Ding ding. He's like, can I, how can I help you? Oh, hold on. Uh, those lights over there. Let's see. One, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, yep. There were. There's four lights. <laughs> Write it down. You have to buy something, sir. And then, I don't know. Oh, I like that. He can go to the planet with the oil slick, you know, with oh, Armus. Oh, no. See what Armus is up to. Armus is, he's in a better place now. He's settled down. <laughs> he's only gray instead of black. And he's got a job. It's sort of like mid-level. Like, he's not super happy with it. But he right. feels like he's going to probably get a raise pretty soon. He's, <laughs> he's seeing a, a white slick. You know, they're um, oh not exclusive, but it just seems like there's... Some something there. These ideas. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I kind of like, wouldn't mind watching hey. like a show where he like just toots around in a ship and like uh does archaeological digs and like Well in this uh reportedly in this scene, this very short scene we see, mm-hmm. this cadet that he talks to doesn't know who he is. And what? that look that we get is something of a mild shock kind of look. Because he's like, <laughs> You don't know who I am? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't like go Reese Witherspoon you, on the guy. How do you but, not know who I but am? I think he's just like it's supposed to be. And then cue the voiceover because, of course, yeah, because that's just right. how we do it now. It's like I never thought people would forget me, but <laughs> it seems as if this this old 
Gray has earned his last tea. Oh, man. As long as they're done as, like, <laughs> uh, captain's log or whatever, I think I'll be more okay with it than him just doing it voiceover. But he's just keeping captain's logs. Still. Yeah. <laughs> he's been retired for 18 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or personal log. Captain's log. Don't forget to refill your medication. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want that. No. Uh, there's an interesting note about this show. We just got to t- talking about Netflix. Uh, and there's been a bit of a sort of switcho changeroo. Mm. It looks like this show has secured international distribution through Amazon instead I of Netflix. I heard, which is weird. And I'll tell you, hmm. it doesn't take much. If you want to complain about this, mm-hmm. you will be able to find something to complain about. Oh, for sure. And this is the new thing to complain about. Yeah. Well, it's it's asking a lot of international fans. I mean, you want to follow Discovery, you get Netflix. You want to watch Picard, then you're you're going to have to get Amazon. I don't know how so, it works in England. In fact, it's less because they break trusts all the time, right? So it's know. like less monopoly there, right? I guess. So I'm assuming that if they're anything like modern first world Americans, they all have Amazon. You get social security card. Amazon Prime account when you come out of your mom, I right? guess, yeah. So you get to cancel your Netflix, and now you just watch it on Prime. You're, we're actually saving you money. I guess. Uh, I feel bad for Netflix. Yeah. Well, they'll get them again when the, when Discovery is back, you know. So, oh, well. Actually, I really feel bad for CBS All Access. <laughs> no international presence there, huh? I guess not, um, which is too is bad. For. Yeah. Can uh, I watch that Twilight Zone, though? You can watch it in black and white now. Is that right? The so, new episodes? I am not... Don't colorize movies, Ted Turner. Right. Stop it. Right. But what's the other thing? Don't black and white movies, George Miller. Stop it. <laughs> Why would you spend so much time on such a rich color palette for Mad Max Fury Road and then go, here's the real, the steel and chrome edition. Right. It's in black and white. It's like, yeah, it's still, I guess, a good movie, but... It's 90% visuals. Why would you take right. that away? Right. Well, now you can watch uh, Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. It, the episode's in black and white version. The the new series. Yes. Why? Why would you want to do that? After everybody spent so much time creating interesting visuals. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that, that. Yeah. That that just... Uh, if you if you want to watch the old series so bad, just watch the old series. Right. It'd be like, hey, now you can flip a switch and uh, your Avengers Endgame will just have stills, four color stills of the characters with mouths superimposed over their mouths. Yeah, no like, thanks. I am Iron Man. <laughs> Remember yeah, those old creepy, that's... like the Johnny Quest cartoons, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not what I came to see. That that's is America's ass. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. No. No. Gimmick. Yeah, it is a gimmick. Well, speaking of gimmick, no, no, it's not really. <laughs> Maybe we are. I don't know. Um, there are other shows that are on their way, of course, in the mm-hmm. Star Trek Pantheon. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, like we said, Discovery. We got Picard. Yes. We've got more short treks on the way. We've got two animated short treks on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't exactly know when they're set, but don't worry about it. Uh, we've also got a Section 31 show starring yes. Michelle Yeoh, which would be kind of tough to do because she is cruising through the future with the Jetsons and the Discovery yeah, in the 32nd know. century right now. But yeah. we'll figure it out, I'm sure. Um, the We also have a kids animated show on Nickelodeon. Right. 
And that Starfleet Academy show is dead, right? I mean, I guess nothing's ever really dead. I, I don't know. I haven't heard boo about it. Seems, so. seems pretty dead. Yeah. How do you feel about the prospect of a Section 31 show post-season two of Star Trek Discovery? Which is, I, I kind of had my fill of Section 31 at this yeah. point. Yeah. But it definitely uh, it presents uh, more nuances and layers for the organization. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe they'll, uh, we'll see them, we'll see the steps of them becoming uh, more internalized, or maybe they'll make it seem like they've gone away or disbanded or something like that. Oh, they basically they don't working. exist after the epilogue of Discovery, right? Right. right. Um, everybody got their orders to can't never, talk, never about talk about it about ever. This again. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot that Section 31 can't talk about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but I think maybe we'll see more about how they kind of go underground uh, and then like possibly how they can be underground for like a long long periods of time when other series are going on and there's no mention of them whatsoever or they're well, just they'll mentioned have to sporadically that, yeah, but yeah. I mean, as far as the tone of the series goes i would like to see a lot of the yelling and flipping and <laughs> all this other stuff that helmets that go around your head right. and you look like a Andorian or whatever. Let's put that all on disc- on uh, Section 31. Yes. Discovery can maybe go charts and gaseous anom- anomalies and find themselves in a um, first contact, uh, we're not God situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And then, yes. I don't know, save the uh, Rick and Morty humor for the Rick and Morty <laughs> show. Right, right. Yeah. I was watching, uh, we're going to be doing a uh, Discovery Season 2 recap show for Discovery pretty soon. Sure. So I've been watching through the last season of Discovery, and I like it a lot better now than when I watched it the first time. Okay. And I found that I've been binging it. It works great when you binge it. You sit down and watch three in a row, and yeah. it really gets you. Okay. You watch it week by week. You come back after the last week, and you're like, where are we again? And then this... And okay, we're going to pick this right back up again, and this was a cliffhanger that just leads into this, and we're going to have a conversation about that, and now they're having the conversation, and the whole thing just feels like a 14-hour movie, mm. and if they're going to go week by I was talking to a, um, a fan, a listener on Twitter, and I was trying to make the point that you've got this service that they want you to continue to be subscribed to. Yes. So if there's 14 episodes, that's three four five that's two and a half months or whatever they can get three months worth of rent out of you for Mm -hmm. cbs all access Mm -hmm. i think it's cynical but i understand the business structure or the model of that Mm -hmm. and so if you basically have to if the opposite was you release them all at once they would you know people would binge them and they would binge them the way they are now and get more out of them but if you've already got people locked in to come week week by week why not change alter or reorganize the storytelling so that it gives you more standalone stories Mm -hmm. but that contain meta plot elements sure because as it is we get so focused week to week on following the mystery of the red angel or or whatever it is that we lose all these chances to draw in the margins of what's going on and get these character moments and they've set up some great ones like you've got you know jet reno shows up Mm-hmm. everybody's new favorite character yeah and then comes back just before the end 
Yeah, I know. In she order goes to talk to Culber, a, a character who was completely dead and is now yes. Mushroom Man walking around. And we have a little bit with him like, I don't know what's going on anymore. But like, I want to follow more of his journey. Like he was somebody who was literally dead, now lives in a body that is completely alien to him. Right. And he has a bro down throw down in the cafeteria with him. Yeah. Come on after school right now. Let's go. Right. And that's pretty much the extent of us exploring his psychology there. And then well, he goes to Cap- uh, Admiral Bad Decisions and is like, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, well. And then that's it. Because we got to get back to the time crystals, baby. I know. I would have liked to have seen more with Culver as well. Like, I mean, I think he definitely um, suffers from PTSD. I mean, they how, all do. How could you not? They all do. Uh, okay, they all do. But <laughs> that thing is just a bus full but, of PTSD people. Okay. Yeah, one lady's got her face blown off. You got another guy whose like whole race suffers from PTSD. Yeah. Whatever Tildy's got going on. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just got half Klingon, half uh, hipster man. We, we, right. we surgically altered him to be a hipster <laughs> and we imprinted a Williamsburg uh, 25 year old's personality on oh him. My God. Let's watch. Um, yeah. But I mean, what an interesting experience, though, to have literally have died and then to have come back. Time crystals, baby. Yeah, I know. But like. Let's what how what an interesting story that could have Burnham's been. Burnham's mom, an entirely new character. I know. <laughs> Just, yeah. So anyway. I know. I mean, I I wanted to learn more about Burnham's mom too, but like if she was there and then she was gone, and then like I don't I don't know. Hopefully, maybe we'll see her in next season. She'd have to come back, right? I I hope they so. are theoretically, and there's a lot of disagreement about how how far they're going with the, what the exact year is or whatever. But sure. they are essentially going to, to her time her period future. yeah yeah and she's just like hanging out on a planet sitting in right. a lean to like wow why'd they take my suit for me again uh, right yeah yeah okay well anyway um thoughts given thank yes. you yes sure uh people are speculating that the lower deck show will be uh, set within the discovery era uh because of the font of the title card that we've seen which is like wow that's not strong, <laughs> no, but it's not. you know why rock the boat? Yeah, okay. I actually think that this would be since Rick and Morty animated adult show. Yes, Robot Chicken, whatever is clearly going to draw on references a lot. This would be a chance for you to mine Star Trek history for whatever sure. references you want. Absolutely. So I think that it would be on brand for them to make it uh, Discovery era. I think it would be a mistake. I think they'd be missing a lot. I see. You you want them to draw more on this is, all the I mean, shows and maybe, that have come before it. Yeah, but and maybe Robot Chicken has told all those jokes already. Maybe. Oh, I want to eat a triple or you know whatever <laughs> hilarious stuff they're doing on right. uh, Robot Chicken this week. But um, <laughs> there's a Priceline guy on the wing or whatever it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think that you know they should be able to to do that sort of thing. You have a Magatu run through, uh, sure. we'll get it. Right. Right. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, what that's going to be about. And, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see it focus on some characters that, uh, have a lesser role in their ship. Yeah. So. I mean, it's literally called Lower Decks. Yes. Which was the title of that TNG episode that had the same premise. Oh, really? I did not realize that. Remember? 
Oh, I'm a mini Riker. I just can't grow a beard yet. And I think Riker grew up in Canada, but it was Alaska. How do I talk to him? He's so dreamy. (laughs) (coughs) And then there's like, I'm a Vulcan and I'm okay. Right. And I'm kind of a know-it-all. And then there's, who else was there? There's the girl that's like, oh, I'm a girl. (laughs) What's her character? She's a girl. She's Got a girl. It. Yeah. They send her. She's a Bajoran. They send her on that secret mission and she dies. Oh, great. And there was a fourth one. The fourth one wasn't the waiter, was he? Because the waiter was my favorite character. Oh, okay. Remember the waiter? <laughs> no, I don't. Every episode, every scene in 10 Forward, there are those guys in yes. the green and white hound tooth. Yes. Which yes. is the universal color of servi- servitude <laughs> in the 24th century. <laughs> For some reason. They never do anything except just go, here's your glass, here's your grapefruit juice or whatever. Right. Uh, and there's this one guy where they're all talking about like, ooh, who's going to get the promotion? Like, what's going on this week? And then they're like, hey, Robert, come here. And he's like, hey, what's up, everybody? And they're like, what's the scuttlebutt? And he's like, okay, guys, I should be telling you this. But it's like, oh, they get the juice from the waiter. I think that's like a good that's perfect. thing. Yeah. 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 No, well, that's great. So maybe we'll see some of that. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Get that hound's tooth. For sure, yes. Tough to animate, but worth it. <laughs> uh, Mike McMahon, the guy behind the show, says, because of the toughness in animating these things, we probably should not expect these till 2021 or 2022. Woo! Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, good to know. Sometimes you feel like, I feel I'm like not... animated stuff which should come out sooner than it does, but all right. <laughs> you have to create a person yeah i know if i put a hat on you i know and then i shot something and then i put a after effects filter on it mm-hmm. we can just stick it into the show right done right in a weekend sure but that's not the same for, for animation, animation you have to know you have to sells man yeah that's true that's why walt disney had all those guys chained to their desks back oh, in the day okay. uh one more show we don't know the mm-hmm. rumors continue to swirl about a possible pike spock enterprise series oh boy yeah i think the rumors were really gone after uh, discovery ended and mm-hmm. we know that pike will be leaving um he's left he's he's left he's sorry there's family yeah he said goodbye yeah right <laughs> can you imagine captain jellico being like I know this was a tough assignment, but thank you. You're all my family. They're like, fuck you. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Troy walks in in a shorter skirt. Oh, my gosh. She's like, hmm, well, sad to see you go. I sense you burnt. <laughs> Are you looking forward to a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film? Um... Speaking of the F I Well, I'm interested to see what he would do with it. Um, we all are. So His script is finished. Is it? That's what, when people ask him about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's only so much you can say. And yeah. so they always stick a Trek question in at the end. He sure. has said that he's his script is finished. He okay. hasn't been in contact with uh, the producers in a while because of his new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. But con is going on right now it ends saturday may 25th and once he is done with that his obligations to it are gone until it's you know domestic release which i think is uh later this year christmas so so he's got time that's his bandwidth yeah so if anything's going to happen or be announced it'll probably be star trek Mm -hmm. okay all right well i mean it i guess it's good news that he's finished the script um 
it's that much closer to being a reality. So I guess we'll have to just wait and see. But which reality is it? Yeah, I know, right? Um, do you have any idea, like, what time period he would do or, like, what Trek he would do? Or would it be, like, an all-new Trek, all-new characters? I think generally when you work for hire like this, mm-hmm. it's whatever the bosses say it is. Sure. But when you're Quentin Tarantino, right? You unless you're directing an episode of CSI, right? you kind of, it's expected that you as an auteur are going to bring your own thing. Mm-hmm. I would have said, see, I, yeah, I don't know. Like when Star Trek IV was going forward, I would have said, It'll be a counter-programming situation mm-hmm. where if that is flashy lens flare sure. Kelvinverse, maybe this could be a you know TNG era reboot, you know, or maybe like a see, it'd be weird to do original two-fisted, you know, Kirk, yeah, yeah, uh, TOS stuff. But so I don't know. Now that Star Trek Four is dead, yes, maybe they'll try to plug it in as Star Trek Four, huh? Okay, without Chris Pines and, and Chris Hemsworth? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I think the entire cast of the Kelvin films are like, wait, just waiting. Right. Got my phone on. Right. Uh, and Chris Pine might even be in the same situation because I don't see him doing anything. I, I don't either. So yeah. I don't know. So uh, who knows? Okay. But and I mean, Chris Hemsworth has a lot more time on his hands now that Endgame is over. Although he might be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a lot of time. No. Okay. Maybe not. He's, Chris Pine has had his chance. Trek talk becomes movie talk. Yeah. Chris Pine had hell or high water. Uh-huh. People were kind of excited. Yes. He Now he made a Netflix movie. He's Robert the Bruce or whatever. Right. And people were like, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like, he'll, I'm sure he'll get another shot soon yeah but it doesn't seem like it's right now yeah so if i was chris pine i'd be like maybe i'll that, do uh, another deal on the table? yeah <laughs> yeah whereas chris hemsworth has also gone around a couple times yes and he's got men in black coming out which that's true i can't really see that doing very well but people love They're chris hemsworth fighting aliens yeah so if that takes off forget it that's and that's true. when you just ditch the storyline and you just write a different star trek 4 right well, yes <sighs> yeah it's not that hard why are we so smart and they're so dumb <laughs> asked every star trek podcast ever um here's a smart thing yes the creation of the trek global franchise group what is that but you know what's not so smart what global should be a Gala- be- galaxy franchise right. a universal they're, they're wait that's too different small company. minded yes yeah it's a whole federation yeah uh cbs has created this group this global franchise management group okay. it will be based uh basically in uh, under alex kurtzman's purview i don't know if he's directly over it but it's based in his production company and the idea is is that they are trying to expand the brand beyond film and streaming Oh, okay. You think Star Trek, you think TV shows, you think movies. Yeah. This idea is we're turn it out. Turn it out, baby. Go, go, go. What do we got? Pez dispensers. Ah. Come on. Doormats. Sure. Inflatable dartboards. Right. The whole deal. Uh, practically, this means expansion into 
Well, they've already got books. That's covered as well. It's right. not even mentioned in some of the articles that I've seen. But uh, video games is a big one. I can see that. Hasn't been a good Trek video game in a long time. Yeah. So maybe we can change that up. Yeah. Although you like the, the virtual reality Trek right, game. Don't, don't press me. <laughs> Things like that. Um, who even knows? Uh, pop-up books. Sure. Truck nuts. Uh, truck nuts. Apparel. I'm sure. You got blue. You know. Got slightly greenish. <laughs> what color are Talarians? Uh, kind of like an orange. I don't know. Like a burnt sure. orange. <laughs> burnt orange. I'm describing alien testicles. Oh my gosh. Oh, you didn't know that was No, was I on. didn't know that was okay. what was happening. That's why you didn't join in. <laughs> um, that's what I'm thinking about that. Okay. Uh, good luck to them. Um, this is where we really start to... How much blood is in this stone anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's natural. I think it has to happen. Uh, I think that it's the it's a healthy cynicism, but we're going to squeeze it for all it's worth. Yeah. Get all that green blood out of that rock. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot lot of green blood. Yeah. Sometimes on Just Enough Trope, at the end of our news section, we have a story we call The Squirrel. It's true. Why do we call it that? Uh, Because it is the fun little story at the end of our our news segment. No, because it's a... A water skiing squirrel. Water, we are a water skiing squirrel. Okay. I <laughs> should have gone specifically literally to, to the film Anchorman where right before he signs off the San Diego news team. That yes. We, we, he can ski. He's a squirrel. <laughs> Something that uh, news broadcasts used to do and sometimes will still do. A little bit of a human interest story with yes. a kind of a goofy bent to it. Today's story is about Killer Grandma. What? Killer Grandma is a lifetime movie in which a wife and her husband go go to visit uh, her husband's mother. Okay. With their eight-year-old da- daughter. Okay. Uh, and it turns out that Grandma plans to kidnap the daughter to replace her own dead child. What? What? The Killer Grandma in this film portrayed by Nana Visitor. Oh, my. You are kidding me. She is not. She's not a grandma. She's sixty. She really. Oh well, good. For, that's a compliment. Yeah, I think she looks great. Killer yoga grandma. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know how I feel about feel about this film. <laughs> What's going on on Lifetime? Yeah, yeah. That's maybe a better. question. I thought it was all like cancer movies and like light kind of gospel well, stuff. Right. Like you know. Right. Like we prayed for our daddy to come back and he did. And we go to church maybe a couple times a year. Maybe grandma's trying to get her groove back, but she's not killing anybody. Grandma's going to make some grooves (laughs) in your forehead with this knife. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I'm sure that'll be some great work Uh, by Nana Visitor. (laughs) Yes. Just don't tell her that Goldicott's going to have a relationship with Killer Grandma. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a pill, huh? <laughs> I was gonna say character, Mark Markalimo, yeah, yeah, the actor behind Goldicott, <laughs> yeah, seems like that kind of guy who's like a really good actor, but it's because of his that mercurial sort of nature yes. is something that he brings to it. Yes, uh, the, and I've as an actor, I've been around people like this on sets where it's like, guy's great in the scene, but when you get off 
camera or off stage, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. It's no. like, we're done now. I'm going to read a magazine. Right. But you want to do like right. cartwheels and push-ups and stuff like that, you know? And so, yeah, he was making the point that he really wanted the Galdicott storyline where he gets together with Kira because he's like, because I wanted to get with Kira. And it's like, All I right. know. And then they Makes show. Makes for good doc. That's good doc. I know. And then they show Nana Visitor just kind of rolling around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, it can ski. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, that's that. Uh, wow. Thanks for dropping by, uh, Mika and Hana, to help well, with the news. Thanks for having me. And if you want to hear more nerd news like this every week, uh, you can stay ahead of the curve. You can get reviews, analysis of your favorite films, TV shows, comic books, and more. Check it out on the Just Enough Trope podcast, available every Monday. What's coming up yes. on future episodes of Just Enough Trope? We are going to be talking about the comic book, A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the, I believe the first trade so uh looking forward to that um it's a it's a really great story with a collection of stories kind of meeting together and uh all kind of flowing together if no other stories existed this is an unfair question okay if no you pop into existence it's a bubble universe Mm -hmm. with a writing desk and alan moore yes can he write anything if no other stories existed (laughs) Yes. This is some sort of trick question. Um, I mean, yes, because he has written original stuff. He's also... If you remove the letters M-E-T-A from the alphabet, can he write something? I don't know. I guess that's two big vowels. Yeah. Let's say they're replaced by flay and gree, the two vowels I created to replace them. (laughs) If you can't make the word meta, can he write? I don't know if he can. If you if you take the meta away, I, I don't know if he can write something that's not meta. I read a prose book of his called uh, The Voice of the Fire. Okay. And it was very Moore-esque sort of in its structure. I don't think it actually refers to anything else. It might, Interesting. like a normal novel, you know, borrow elements, scenes, character, archetypes. But it's basically based on like he lives in this one part of England, Scotland, somewhere in the British Isles. And it's like a, um, it's like you cut down a tree and you can look at the rings. Sure. It's like a sectional history of this area. Oh, okay. So spoilers, like it ends literally with him going to the pub in this area. Okay. But the area, the town, like where the pub is. Yeah. He goes through the history of that place back to like caveman times and follows a character and then it's like huh. the romans are here and then it's like these little vignettes as you get sort of like farther deeper deeper into the history until it reaches sort of the modern day and then his point is like the voice of the fire is like you know just just you know inspiration um or just like human spirit or just conflict and it's like this sort of thing okay well, that sounds really there's interesting. no werewolves in it <laughs> no supernatural no creatures. Character that is clearly Mickey Mouse, but we're calling him something else. Right. Uh right. Licky Louse or something like that. And no, <laughs> nothing like that. So <laughs> Well, that sounds very interesting. So I guess maybe the answer is yes. <laughs> Question mark? You think no? I think yes. Okay. So that's a definite maybe. All right. Yeah. As sounds he good. as you get farther, because the whole concept is Create a story that is combines, you know, a bunch of Victorian literature, you know, characters who are all, of course, 
public domain at this point right like making them into this sort of ersatz superhero team you know Mm -hmm. in the 19th century yeah but as the league of extraordinary gentlemen books go on and reach the modern century then it becomes how do you put harry potter in this book without calling him harry potter right you know how do you reference a film that is still under copyright do you have to change names do you just be very careful do you just describe the character do you in just great detail. have James Bond in it and then go, come on, I eat broccoli for breakfast. <laughs> come on, broccolis, let's do this thing. Maybe you do that. Yeah, maybe you do. All right. Well, people listen for that. Where can they find the Just Enough Trope podcast? Uh, yeah, they can find us at justenoughtrope.com and Just Enough Trope on Facebook and on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining me. Thanks again for Live having me. and prosper. Nanu, nanu. Yes. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> Thanks again to Mika for dropping in to help out with the news. Follow her back to the Just Enough Trope podcast, why don't you, and get your weekly dose of all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment, plus movies and TV and comic reviews every Monday on Just Enough Trope. Check us out at at Just Enough Trope on Twitter and at Just Enough Trope on the web. Let's talk Picard really quick. The trailer came out apparently 25 years to the day after the release of All Good Things, uh, which, of course, it bears a striking resemblance to. So that was nice. A nice bit of marketing on the part of CBS Paramount. And it looks very similar to that episode, doesn't it? Um, Takes a lot of the images from the future sequences in the vineyard. Uh, We see literally a vineyard. And something that I'm wondering is, I know that's an alternate universe, uh, but it's kind of come to define Picard's later years, Um, I don't know if he'll have like a weird beard and a straw hat, but that sort of thing, which was posited as something that was just for this episode being the last episode has become the kind of de facto vision of his future. And so I, I think it's cool that they're keeping that in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I'd be very happy to see them go in a completely different direction. And it looks like they're going to, and it looks like they're going to do what, I and other people for a long time have wanted, which is to get some more canon storylines that take place post-Nemesis. You know, Nemesis has its ups, has maybe more downs than ups, but it established the world of the Federation being at a certain part or a certain place. And so will we see that continue? And it looks like, yeah, it looks like we will. As it opens, there's a narration over the scenes in the vineyard. You know, the Visuals are almost completely incidental. You know, if you just switched it out and uh, Bartles and James, only the fine, you know, it could be like a wine commercial. Uh, But instead, we've got um, somebody who is apparently questioning uh, Picard, stating that he led them out of darkness 15 years ago. He led the greatest rescue armada in history. And then the unimaginable happened uh, and asking him what it cost. Uh, Did it cost him his faith? His faith in Starfleet, his faith in himself. And I'm like, stop asking questions, lady. (laughs) Let him answer. Uh, But of course, he does not answer in this trailer. And of course, the final question, why did you leave Starfleet Admiral? So we know that he is not in Starfleet. We know that he did reach the rank of Admiral. And as far as those other statements, they're all teases, obviously. But we can speculate a bit on what they might mean. I want to mention real quick, uh, there's some lights behind his head. Um, I guess I have to look at the trailer again (laughs) to count for sure, but there might be four lights behind his head. I don't know if we're doing a thing there. And 
as we kind of joked in our uh, conversation, uh, Mika and Hannah and I, uh, I don't really want them to like take all the highlights of Picard's life and then just go redo and give us sequels to all those episodes. So yeah, uh, I don't want him to go uh, hang out with uh, Gull, uh, what's his name, uh, and find out uh, how many lights there are and eat another uh, chicken embryo or something like that. Uh, no, we'll just uh, we'll just keep doing this. So uh, apparently the uh, show itself takes place, and we get this from an outside source, uh, 18 years after Nemesis, uh, which would put it in the year 2397. Um, 15 years before that would be uh, this, you know, 2382 would be when they're quote-unquote led out of darkness, whatever that means. And we know that Romulus was destroyed in 2387 in Star Trek 2009 uh, before we go to the Kelvin timeline. So what does that mean? I don't know. It's possible that the leading out of darkness is a completely new event that we don't know anything about. It has not been referenced yet on screen in Star Trek canon. It's also possible that, you know... When did you find out that a supernova? I mean, supernovas take thousands of years, right? Now in Star Trek, everything seems to go a little faster, but perhaps they got some kind of warning or Spock, uh, you know, knew that uh, something was going to happen with uh, Romulus's star, and they were maybe in a Superman Jor-El Krypton situation where they're trying to convince people. Uh, it takes it can take a long time to move everybody off a planet, uh, so maybe in between. 2382 and the destruction of Romulus in 2387, Picard was involved in this rescue armada, uh, getting people off the planet. Maybe Starfleet was involved. Maybe he was leading it, you know, as a captain or admiral in Starfleet. Maybe he was doing it outside of Starfleet. Maybe Starfleet, which I think is entirely possible, was not interested in helping the Romulan Star Empire. Um, after the events of Nemesis, where it seemed like there was detente going on, maybe that didn't get followed through on. Uh, I would hope that that's not true, but we've seen the Federation sometimes pull up short uh, diplomatically. Um, so all interesting fodder for discussion. Uh, wh what happened after that? Uh, you know, we don't know. Um, this unimaginable thing, you know, was it the failure of the Armada? You know, was it just the destruction of Ramos itself? Is it something... That happened after that, because remember, we've got 10 years from 2387 until 2397, and of course I'm using Gregorian calendar, not stardates here, uh, for the quote-unquote unimaginable to happen. So what could it be? I've heard a fan theory on the internet that the unimaginable could be the death of the crew of the Enterprise-D. Or, or just, you know, in some capacity, most of the crew of the original show. Um, we know that the original actors have not been asked to participate in the uh, Picard show. It is a Picard show and not a TNG show, but, I mean, you can still stick some people in, right? But if they're all dead, you can't. So maybe they're serving on the Enterprise D, it's destroyed. Maybe, you know, there are, the Titan is destroyed uh, with Riker and Troy and maybe somebody else aboard. Uh, we don't know, but whatever it is, leads Picard to leave Starfleet. And um, that's uh, not, not good, you know? I mean, how old is he at this point? He's born at the, near the start of the 24th century, right? So he's almost 100 years old, which shouldn't matter that much in um, the 24th century with their advanced medical technology. But, you know, he's still going to be a guy who's probably thinking about maybe just, you know, growing some, growing some wine grapes. <laughs> so 
yeah, so I don't know. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think a lot of people are as well. Um, you know, I just don't, just don't want them to screw it up. <laughs> I just don't want them to screw it up. But you've got people like, you know, Michael Shaman on board. And, uh, you know, I think that he's, I mean, he's clearly a good writer. There's a lot of affection. They know that they've got something on their hands here that they have to be real careful with. So I'm sure that they will be. And it's all very interesting. But stay tuned to this show for updates as we learn more. If you haven't yet seen the amazing and emotional DS9 documentary, I don't know how I got through it, uh, your chance to do so fast approaches. The doc will be out on Blu-ray, DVD, and streaming on August 6th of this year, and you can pre-order it right now on Amazon. We've got a link for it in the show notes, actually. That link will take you to Amazon.com, where you can purchase What We Left Behind and other Trek swag. When you get to Amazon by clicking through our links or through our Amazon banner at EnterprisingIndividuals.com, a percentage of your transaction comes back to us at no extra cost to you and helps keep the warp core lit here. And that counts for anything. It's not just Star Trek stuff. In fact, you can bookmark our banner, and when you click through to Amazon that way, whatever you buy, the same deal applies. It's a great way to support the show. Anytime you shop on Amazon.com, click through our Amazon banner or through your bookmark or saved link and shop away. And maybe you're saying, I've already seen the DS9 doc and I'm pretty sure that Iris Stephen Bear actually has human eyes. To which I would say, that's what they want you to think. What if this whole documentary business, hundreds of hours of interviews and six years of planning, is all for the purpose of convincing you that Iris Stephen Bear has human eyes? Don't be so gullible. One person he didn't interview in the movie? His optometrist. Hashtag Bear Sockets. But I would also say, if you like what you hear on Enterprising Individuals and you want to help support the show, why not head to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. It's there that you can sign up to be a crew member for the show for a small monthly amount. You get access to our exclusive subscriber content. Joining as a cadet for $1 a month gives you access to our live shows. We've got a live show coming up in about a month at this year's Convergence Convention. We're talking <laughs> we're talking about Star Trek 2009. That's right. You also get my DS9 and Voyager Rewatch recaps, which will be starting again in earnest now that my schedule is more clear, all of which are yours for being a cadet for just $12 a year. Joining at the Ensign or $5 level also nets you extended interviews from show guests containing off-topic discussions and outtakes. So get involved. Join the crew of the USS Enterprising Individuals. Just head to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. Anyone can join our crew whether or not they have human eyes. All are welcome at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And always, the best way to support the show is to tell a friend. Anything you contribute to the show will be appreciated and will help keep us flying. Thanks. Remember, listeners, you can tweet to us or message the show. Maybe have your comment read on the air. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. Join our Facebook discussion group. It's called Enterprising Interlocutions to continue the discussion of the themes and characters of Star Trek. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello. We're waiting to receive your transmission. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an Apple Podcasts listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts? Make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, write us a little review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. If you're not an Apple Podcast listener, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings and reviews on those platforms as well, we'd be eternally grateful. 
Next week on Enterprising Individuals, something a little different. I know I started this off complaining that there's so much to do and I'm having to move so fast that a Prometheus class couldn't catch me. But despite that, I've started another podcast. You may remember the hosts of the Existence is Futile podcast were on episode five of this season to talk about necessary evil. And EIF pod co-host Gooey Fame and I have launched a new show on the Analog Legends Network called Backtracking. Gooey and I had some conversations about the different eras of Star Trek and how a weekly show that's, you know, run on on and off for 50 plus years is always looking for inspirations in its stories. And a lot of Star Trek episodes are directly inspired by real world events or literature or other movies uh, or scientific breakthroughs. We wanted to explore that. So every week on Backtracking, we look at an episode of a Trek series and talk about the specific inspirations behind it. Our first episode is already live, and on it we talk about the TNG episode Starship Mine and its connection to the 1988 action blockbuster Die Hard. You know, it's Die Hard on a spaceship. So next week on Enterprising Individuals, we'll present in full the premiere episode of Backtracking. Check it out. See what you think. I think the show's really great. It's been a lot of fun to do, and we're going all over with it. We're talking about science, sitcoms, pop music, classic films, all of which in their own way inspiring the Trek episodes you love. If you like what you hear, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, all the usual places, and we're at at Backtrekking on Twitter. It's two Ks. Actually, it's three Ks. B-I-C-K-T-R-E-K-K-I-N-G. Follow Gooey Fame on Twitter, too, at at Gooey Fame, all one word. It's Backtrekking, next time on Enterprising Individual. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying live long and prosper. <laughs>